0: Good day, everyone. You're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 76, Make Sure to Get My Sexy Side. I'm your host, Alex, and today I have the honor to have Vlad as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. We had a few technical difficulties at first, but it didn't take too long to resolve. Vlad was very patient, and we're here now, which is great. Same time zone, so there's no, uh, nobody's missing some sleep, so we're good to go. So yes, today we're going to be talking about Vlad and his hobby. But before we go, in, go into that, who is Vlad?
1: <laughs> Good question. I am a v- Vlad photographer, product manager, a bunch of other stuff. Basically, I, I do a lot of things. Uh, I've heard one person calling me a renaissance man because I have hobbies and, and things that I do completely from completely different walks of life. Let's put it this way. So I, I have a you know, boring corporate job. Well, com- companies, corporate companies are boring. Uh, my job, I actually love it, and and um, I've been doing this for ten years. I absolutely uh, love what I do, and uh, my hobbies are usually kind of trigger the other side of my brain, so it's more of a creative outlet or creative therapy, as I call it. So that's that's how photography comes in.
0: You know what? I completely agree with you. I'm the same. My job I do has nothing to do with what I do here, so it allows me to be creative and. This is why we have you here. The, your hobby is pretty creative, and we're definitely going to jump into that. But of course, before we do that, do you have any social media links or websites people can go check out to follow you, see your projects or anything like that?
1: Absolutely. Um, I'm very old-fashioned. I still have Facebook. Don't laugh. And I'm on Instagram. Uh, the uh, The Instagram handle is Commander Perks, P-I-R-X. That's basically, that's all I have. Um, I tried Twitter. It's too fast-paced for me, and uh, I don't have enough content to throw there. So it's uh, it's the Instagram. I have a website, Z-E-A-L-U-S Media, zelusmedia.com. Uh, but most of my fresh stuff comes up on the Instagram only.
0: Perfect. I'll put that link in the description below and so people can go check it out. And of course, yeah, I know Twitter is going too fast for me too. I try to jump in. It's kind of like jump rope. You just don't know when to jump in, but uh, it's a learning curve. But let's, you know, we put people on hold long enough your hobby of today and for a while has been kink and boudoir photography, right? Correct. How what is kink and boudoir photography to just give an idea to people listening?
1: All right, so let's uh, let's make this uh, let's make this uh, a bit of a journey. Uh, this that's what I do in my like in my main life. I take people on journeys from nothing to something. So let's let's try to make the same thing here. So you have a bunch of uh, people taking pictures and you have uh, all these uh, people who take pictures and pretend they're you know funny cute sexy uh, and everything there and then um, at some point you uh, you decide that you want better pictures than that you want better pictures than and you can do yourself on um, on the cell phone or uh, on the smartphone and and it's, it's some people get really creative and get really good stuff but almost everything you see uh, in from the celebrity world and slightly below that like bc level celebrities they're all they're all made. They're all like professionally taken, processed, and all that. And at some point, you want to you want those pictures. You want to get that, but you don't really know how to how to get those pictures. And and you sometimes you technically can't. You need camera. You need angles. You need uh, lighting properly set up, and you just can't do that with um, with a cell phone. So uh, you approach a professional photographer, and then there's there's a whole world of professional photographers uh landscape, real estate, uh headshots, weddings. Weddings is a huge thing. And um boudoir photography kind of touches on weddings. There's a lot of um uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, wedding photographers who are shooting boudoir because hey let's do the public pictures for the guests and everybody else and then let's do some for us. Let's do some for you know just the husband and the wife or husband and the husband or wife and wife depending on how couple is, is structured. And that's when the boudoir comes in. It's all, it's, of course, it's not just for weddings. There, there are people who are later in life, later in their family life, or maybe they're not necessarily family. Maybe it's for, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend or just remote loved ones who want to have these provo- provocative, taste, tastefully taken provocative pictures uh, just for fun. Just, to, you know, to remember just as a keep saying, Hey, this is what I was when I was 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 And now you're 100 and you want to look, you know, kind of look at this and remember how it was, uh, how you looked back when you were 20, 30, 50, 60. And um, the kink side comes in when you're not truly what is called the vanilla uh, or what is called the regular, you know, just pretty pictures. Uh, There's a whole side of uh, intimate life, a whole side of uh, things that people do. and, And you may have seen it in. Uh, in absolutely incorrectly portrayed in the movie 50 shades of gray and in, in the books it's, it's absolutely incorrectly portrayed but at least it gave people an idea that there's something else out there uh, so you know let's let's think positive <laughs> it's out there um and and uh, that and, and there there there're things people do and there are things people want to capture and since it's even more intimate it it requires even higher level of trust as you do that it requires a completely different level of uh, a person who would capture that, who would do photography for that. So, so you can go to a really good boudoir photographer, but in order for you to take pictures of your kinky side or your kink kin- boudoir thing, you need somebody else. You need somebody who understands that kink and you need someone who can relate to it somehow. Not necessarily share it, but at least relate somehow. So there's there's a lot of judging going on and that's probably what kills Kills the appetite for, for these pictures. And then, and then when you need those pictures, you seek someone who relates to your kink even more than just, you know, regular boudoir photographer who are recently kind of on the rise, I think,
0: <laughs> noticed. Well, you know what? This is why we have you here. You're here to just spread the word and inform people about more about kink photography and boudoir and just the whole industry as a whole and the people who do it as well. So get rid of those misconceptions, show the bright side of it and how a lot of these people are doing it out of the love of doing it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, be happy to do that.
0: And now uh, for you, let's take a step back. How did you get introduced to kink photography and boudoir photography?
1: Oh, that's uh, (laughs) that's a curveball for for me. I mean, it was it was a curveball. Uh, I tried doing fashion photography. I never really – it, and it's really kind of funny. I started uh, photography when I was eight years old, and I hated people in my pictures. I absolutely <laughs> hated it. If anybody was in the picture, it was like, why are you ruining the picture? Let me take a picture of this building or monument or whatever. And uh, it just it just boggled my mind how people get in the, in, in the way. And it, this was, this was a long time ago in a completely different country. So we didn't have Photoshop. retouching cost a lot of money and was completely out of um, out of reach so I kind of I was very slow my you know growing as a photographer and then eventually I um, I, I'm an immigrant I came to the United States uh, about 25 years ago and um, sometime during my career I was able to afford digital camera and that was that was a breakthrough for me because I could now uh, do a complete uh, cycle the whole life cycle of a picture from uh staging taking the picture and then editing it and then making it look like i wanted to instead of how it came out in the camera in the lab and then trying to retouch it uh so that was that was completely different i tried doing fashion photography uh but it kind of it was it, won't, it was kind of uh, and i probably would uh get a lot of uh, heat for that it was boring it was boring <laughs> my mind i i talked to probably like half of the photographers in new york city and they're like, yeah, man, but you got to do it because that's your connection, that's networking, uh, this, this, and that. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have to. I don't, this is, it's not like I, you know, my, my livelihood depends on it. I, I make more money doing other things. And I just – you know, I don't have to do what I have to do. I, I want to do what I really you know, have a passion for. And I stopped doing uh, true fashion photography. I went towards creative route. Doing crazy things like you know putting a flaming crown on the person, uh, putting flowers or or encrusting person's body with uh, Swarovski crystals. It was ten-hour job by a makeup artist, but really got uh, a lot of cool stuff there. Now, or or creating a druid out of a person. You know, it's kind of like effects now, but slightly different, more more towards makeup uh, and and um, creative effects versus specifically visual effects for the movies. And one of the things, one of the projects I was working on was um, Erte Alphabet. And for those who don't know, it was a French, I think it was a French-Russian photographer in 1920s, so about 100 years ago. Um, He created the whole alphabet out of human bodies. It's very um, unique, and it's it's not uh, overly erotic, even though I think he did it um, for that purpose. But it's really artistic, really creative. It's more art than it is erotica, but it's really cool. And uh, I was absolutely, absolutely fascinated. Uh, I met a designer who was absolutely fascinated by his works. And we kind of hit it off right off the bat. And uh, she created all the costumes for the models. Uh, I took pictures. We, we, we did a lot of crazy stuff uh, for that. And one of the things was, one of the letters required um, a model being bound in, in something, in chains, and the rope. So she was basically breaking through. Uh, breaking through the rows breaking breaking free from being bound, and I was I started kind of looking, as like, what is how do I like tie her up so it would look cool? Because you know it's it's all pictures, it's all images, and you know five minutes on the internet, I'm really good at finding stuff to read. <laughs> and I, I for it I call it core whoring You know, you at eleven o'clock you start reading about nuclear reactors, and you know. Uh, you wake up at 4 a.m. St- still sitting in front of a computer reading about the <laughs> butterflies in Antarctica and like, how do they get here? <laughs> it, 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 like, two of my most most uh, favorite websites is uh, Reddit and and Korra. That's thus that, the name Korra whoring, and uh, I I found I found that there's this um, Japanese style of rope bondage called Shibari. Kinbaku. I I keep confusing those two, so I'm gonna use Shibari from now on. Not to confuse anymore anybody, and um, the whole point—it started as uh, as a way for warriors in the war, obviously, to uh, restrict movement of their prisoners, but eventually went to be a uh, movement deprivation technique in their erotic uh, and sexual culture. And it, it was really fascinating because it, I mean, you kind of get, get get to see how you get there. You know, soldier comes home from war, and wife, you know. Is being too restless and he's like, you know what? Let me just tie you up and, you know, problem solved. <laughs> and uh, but it, it really uh, it, it really is a fascinating kind of a. It's, it's an art, obviously. And it's really fascinating how you can present it. And I started learning how to do it. Obviously, it's a whole new world. I'd never done this before. You know, you offer this to regular models. They look at you like you're a creep. And rightfully so, because usually they just stand there, you know, looking pretty. You're not even allowed to touch them, which is. A big thing in building trust, you're not supposed to touch the model without the permission. You always, every time you want, you need to do that, you need to adjust something, the piece of clothing or hair, you have to ask permission. So she's, she's you're making sure that she's safe. She makes sure that you're controlling yourself. You're not like guys, there's there's this term, guy with camera. When you just buy a camera and start taking pictures of uh, barely scantily clad girls and you're officially a creep now. So, you know, there's there are certain certain things how you approach uh, doing artistic nudity and um, nude photography. And once you start asking them, uh, you mind if I, you know, put some ropes on you and really tie you up so you can't move? They get concerned. So it it, it requires a certain level of, uh, you know, finding pe- the right people and um, finding the right people, the right mindset. And that's how I learned about the whole shibari, the whole um, bondage. And, you know, once you start. Digging down the rabbit hole, you can see all the other aspects of uh, BDSM, kink. What's you kind of start relating? This is this looks cool. This doesn't look cool. I like this. I don't like that. And you start new. <laughs> start the journey in a completely new direction in your mind. And uh, for at least for me, it's uh, in in my artistic skills and the way what I do um, in order to create this kind of art.
0: And I would imagine the first time you actually did it, did you have somebody who taught you how to do it? Or let's say you had your first model that came in, were you nervous about the whole culture? Or did you have like somebody who guided you through the whole process? Or you just jumped right in?
1: I, I didn't jump right in. Uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm the kind of a person who learns everything by himself. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Everything I know, I learned by myself. So this one's too. But I highly encourage knowing what I know now and um i would highly encourage uh sort of if if somebody's interested in uh learning how to do that uh, to find somebody to uh, who can who can show you the ropes literally and figuratively <laughs> it, it it is it is a it is a kind of a common phrase uh in in the in the people who do shibari like you need someone to show you the ropes because it, it you really want to make sure you play safe because this is one of those things that take you to the next level think about it from this perspective if uh, you're in the regular sexual encounter uh there there are multiple ways you can damage yourself mm-hmm. now think in the bdsm kind of a way you don't ha- you not necessarily you don't not necessarily always have sex like uh in shivari you don't always have sex you just you know sometimes you just have this uh bondage uh, play but they're mu- much more uh they're much more dangerous and there are more ways to hurt the partner than it is in the regular like vanilla situation because now you are ad- applying additional restraints, you're adding more hurtful things or more or things that are, that are more stressful, generically speaking, to the body and the mind uh, of of your partner. So if if there's a way to learn from somebody who already know this, who already made those mistakes or successfully avoided them or was taught to avoid them, absolutely take that chance and and and, and do learn from somebody who knows what they're doing. You're giving
0: out a lot of good advice. I, yes, you're absolutely right. People should just go out and try to find resources because it can be pretty intimidating and pretty daunting when you first tackle it. And Vlad, you're you taught yourself, so I'm sure people will listen to this and say, you know what, I could teach myself too. If Vlad could do it, I could do it too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I always say. If I could do it, then you better can do it. I'm not the smart. Yeah, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but um uh, again, uh, it, it it's one of those things where I probably just, I was probably lucky that I did make a lot of mistakes people tend to make when they're doing this. Plus, I tend to read a lot of things that are even tangentially related. So I already had kind of set of mind that helped me get through the basics and, and move on to more, more advanced things.
0: And for you, when it comes to the whole experience, what would you say is the best part about it?
1: again coming back to photography because i think that's what we started
0: <laughs> you know what photography about. and both you know it's, it's it's they're combined together so why not combine them together what is the best thing about it
1: so okay <laughs> so the the best part about uh, the kink culture and 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 this whole alternative lifestyles is that uh you get to express yourself in ways you couldn't you didn't even think possible before and it's it's really cool because especially lately uh, I noticed that we have a grown. We, we, we have our we have society uh, kind of putting more pressure. We going a little bit back. We're bouncing back to being being more um, prudent, prudent, prudish. What's the right word? Uh, and, and and after uh, sexual revolution, so it's it's a it's a uh, you know back and forth. You bounce one way, you then you bounce back the other way. So right now we're going back and uh, to being more prudish. And it's really funny about the United States. uh, You know, we get kicked out of England because uh, we were too prude. And now we're here. (laughs) And um, the, uh, yeah, so that part is the, you know, self-expression. You get to do things or experience things rather that you haven't, you haven't done before. You haven't experienced before. And you would, unless you were interested in this specific uh, lifestyle, unless you're experienced, really interested and can relate to it, there's no other way you can experience that. I mean, the, the, other, uh, other, the experience that you would get to get like, close to that would be too damaging to your livelihood, it would be too damaging to your psyche, that you really don't want to experience that. But in the safe and basics for well, any BDSM encounter, it has to be safe and consensual. You have to give consent, you have to receive consent from the other end, and it must be safe for both parties. Then uh, then you can proceed. And given that it's safe and consensual environment, then you can experience things that you would be otherwise would be too damaging for you and for your partner. And as far as photography is concerned, since we're moving on to that, uh, capturing that, capturing that experience, capturing people who are in this completely different state of mind is absolutely fascinating. It's uh, for me, it's completely different side of the art. I've seen some of it, but it's absolutely not popular art it's not uh, pop culture it's very fringy very edgy and it's not edgy <laughs> like we used to say oh it's so edgy it's completely different side of uh, people and it's a lot deeper the connection that you have with a person when you're in the bdsm lifestyle when you're in the bdsm relationship it's a whole new level of trust it's absolutely different from um anything you know what, what what is called vanilla and i apologize for using this term very loosely uh, for regular in the regular relationship there's a level of trust otherwise you don't have a relationship right in the in a kink or a bdsm relationship there's a completely different level of trust because things that you tend to do are way more damaging as i said to the body and soul and you need that level of trust in order to proceed otherwise again you don't have a relationship hopefully that answers it
0: no it definitely does and of course, you know what? Sometimes I feel like everybody everybody has a little kinky side at certain points. Some people are more vocal about it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some people are more reserving. There's nothing wrong with that. And also to go back on your thing where it's consensual and stuff like that, I would imagine communication is such a big aspect where throughout the entire shoot, you would communicate with each other what you want to do, what you're not comfortable doing and other stuff like that, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for <laughs> yeah, bringing this, this back. Absolutely. It's even before the shoot. Um, one of the rules that I have is regardless if that's just a regular Boudoir photography or even King Boudoir photography. I have to meet with the client with the person i'm doing this before the shoot absolutely must if they can't make it then i'm not doing the shoot no matter how much money they're paying me or especially if they're not uh because that setting up that connection setting up that trust at least initially is a is a huge deal it's basically is making or breaking the session if person and, and it's been my experience kind of with everybody even professional models first 15 20 30 minutes uh depending on how professional is the model it, it, it really crucial that's when you're building the trust that's when you making a connection with the model that's when they kind of assess you how safe do i feel and i i don't i don't even want to go into the stories that i've heard um uh, people telling me models telling me like oh my god this this guy did this and that guy did that and i'm like how does it come to the person's mind to do things like that but um apparently it happens and it's it is it, absolutely horrendous that people go and do such things so that that time when you have in the beginning of the shoot and that's exactly why i insist on having uh it used to be called look i don't know if it's still a thing uh when you meet with the model before the shoot just to kind of gauge each other see each other make sure you're not a creep make sure you're not a psycho make sure that you know you're a normal human being and uh, you can have that connection
0: you know what, Vlad? You're very respectful, and I love your technique. I love the way that you approach it—that you see them as a human first, and you try to understand their needs and what they want. And unfortunately, there's some people who don't do that. But like you said, it's horrendous that some people think like that. Not like you, Mike. The other people, the bad, the what, the bad ones. You're the, one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to be the good guy. <laughs>
0: Now speaking about being a good guy, you must have some pretty good equipment. What do you use uh, necessarily for taking your photos or set up your set?
1: All right, so this is, I, I remember this is this is the hobby podcast. So <laughs> I, I get I get it. And uh, honestly, is it, I'll I'll uh, I'll answer the question in a second. There's a there's a way, there's a way that uh, people photographers approach uh, their equipment and setup. And, uh, you know, the the best camera is the one that you have in your hands when you when you see the shot. And if it's a cell phone camera, then go ahead, take it. Uh But obviously, <laughs> DSLR or or digital uh, SLR cameras are still better. Not always because they have certain and there's a there's a stigma, you know, the more pixels, megapixels and gigapixels you have, the better. That's completely irrelevant, to be honest, They The reason why you pick DSLR or digital uh, camera is because of the level of control it allows you to have. The quality of the glass, the quality of the lens that they allow you to have, and flexibility or ability to shoot in multitude of scenarios. I mean, I I try not to take my camera anywhere I go, but every time I do a shoot, I always have my camera, the, the Nikon D750 that I'm shooting with. Because it allows me to have that creative control, and I underline the word creative uh, for for the photo shoot. Not necessarily at the moment of taking the picture, but the way I take pictures is, is different. Whether I'm shooting on a cell phone or I'm shooting with my camera, with the cell phone I have to get the picture right uh, straight off the camera because I'm probably going to post it somewhere on the Facebook or something like that. Uh, when I'm doing creative shoot, I'm shooting for the way I'm going to be editing. So when you see when i i usually do share uh images so basically i take series of images like 10 15 series of 10 15 pictures then come come to the model because she's probably uh unable to move or i don't want her to move because she's in the spotlight and i would show her the series that i just took to kind of get her um to see what what we're, what we're doing how we're progressing how we're capturing all the all the angles all the looks that we planned and um i always say hey don't mind what you're seeing, just make sure you look right, you look correct, your posing, your facial expressions, and all that, because everything else will be edited, the lighting, the shadows, everything else, um, and that's 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 the way I shoot. I shoot because, this way because I know how I'm gonna edit, or I don't know what the, the end result will look like, and I want to have that creative uh, flexibility to edit it in different ways. That's that's kind of that's kind of like how I approach it. And that's why I um, tend to shoot a little bit in a little bit more generic light. But obviously, you don't have to, and I try different things. Um, as far as the equipment itself, it's pretty simple. I I love. I bought my first uh, DSLR, cam- my first SLR. It was wasn't even uh, digital. It was film. I bought Nikon, and I had lens from it. Uh, so I, stick, I stuck with Nikon forever uh, because I have – you don't really care about the body because you care about the lens. Your lens are staying with you. Your bodies change. changed. Uh, lenses lens are way more expensive at the, uh, in the long run. Um, so it's, it's, uh, at, at this moment, it's Nikon 750. Probably it should be upgrading a couple of years. Um, I have a couple of alien bees. I swear by them. They've been with me for 15 years, if not more. It's a uh, it's, uh, Mana um monoblock uh flash absolutely amazing they're portable enough that they fit in my car with all the stands and all the uh, all the light modifiers the umbrellas the soap boxes and everything uh and and they're extremely cheap compared to everything else they don't really give like precise color temperature like you need for you know high level professional work uh but given given the creative flexibility and creative freedom that i have with my own projects it's a lot easier. And, and they, as I said, I, I swear by them, they've been with me for probably more than 15 years. That's, that's basically it. I did. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, uh, whenever I'm, I'm on the road, whenever I travel, I do travel a lot. And I'm always trying to set up shoots when I'm not home, when I'm not in the studio. Um, and I, I drag a couple of uh, portable flashes. I use Nikon SB800. Was lucky enough to buy one though they were. Uh, I was lucky to buy it when they were in sale, um, back when they were introduced. So I got I got some tremendous discount, like ten percent or something, <laughs> and um, a couple of a couple of cheap um, uh, Yango. I don't know. I don't even know how to pronounce that brand, but uh, they've been pretty reliable after all the drops and falls and uh, you know people stepping on them. Uh, they still fire so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a good thing, and they they weren't as expensive as Nikon. Nikon was back then, like so, so uh, those, those two Yangos, they were like 100 bucks each. they, they were pretty good, and uh, you know I don't, I don't care about them if they fail because they're easily replaceable. So that's pretty much all my equipment
0: so at this point it pretty much sounds like you have what you need and you're set you already know what kind of cameras you need and if it ever breaks you'll find exactly what you need you're not yep. you're not pretty much looking for anything new right now like you said you had a camera for 15 years it's working well if it's not broken why fix it right yes
1: correct <laughs> it's not, not not the camera the flash uh, the flash units the camera oh, okay it's a little newer <laughs> camera is a little newer than 15 years thank god
0: <laughs> if you're using a 15 year old camera and it's still producing a lot a lot of quality pictures hey if it works, it works, right?
1: Yeah, film, film cameras do that. I mean, that, you can't go wrong with film cameras.
0: Now, you were talking about the creative aspect a little bit. This is a question that popped up in my head. When you're doing a shoot, how much of it is pre-planned and how much of it is improvised during the shoot? So let's say your, your model is in a position and you have a new idea. Do you do that new idea or are you like, you know what? We had this plan. We have this certain amount of time. We have to do this, this, this.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm absolutely doing it. Out of, out of the shoots that I've done in the last two years, uh, I would say about 30% of plan went into action and about everything else was improvisation. About, uh, the rest of 70% was improvisation. And that's, that's the best part because clients, the, it, when, it's, when, it's a, when it's my own project, then it's my own project. I can improvise. I can come up with new ideas. And there's always, 100%, it never never fails. There's always creative input from the model. Uh, whenever they walk in, I, that's the first thing I say, listen, this is just as much my creativity as it is yours. If you think of something, tell me. If you want to try something else, tell me. If you think you can't do it, but you really like it, tell me and we'll make it happen. And you don't, you wouldn't believe what people did. I had, um, had an actress, um, actually, I think she has IMDb page. I had an actress and, and she was suffering at, at the moment. She was suffering from uh, asthma or or some kind of a problem with breathing, and I, I said uh, I was completely. I believe she didn't tell anybody, and she because she thought she would just be you know standing there posing. And I said, "Can you jump?" And she's like, "No, I can't. I have this breathing problem." It's like okay. And uh, there were two or three models uh, uh, on the shoot, I, and and she saw them doing things that we asked them to do, like jumping for in a specific pose, so it looks like she's floating in the air. And she's like she approached me um, and we had a little break. She's like, you know what? I want to try it. I know I can't breathe, but I think I can do it. And 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 this this absolutely amazing human being. She's like 5'4, five, 5'6-ish, five, on probably eight or 10 inch heels. Wow. She's jumping into the air, floating, and she can't breathe. She's like basically just holding she, she was she was holding her breath for like whatever, 10, 15, 20 seconds to – that that she needed to execute the jump in those heels and it looked absolutely fantastic when she's in the up in the air and and you know we're taking pictures like can you breathe can you are you okay <laughs> she's like i feel fantastic i couldn't i didn't think this could be done and now that i'm doing it it's kind of like i'm getting a second breath i'm i'm completely new person how kind of, you know i'm reborn whatever, whatever that you know sparkles fly and, and and it was one of one of the jokes i used back then It said I need you to jump and hang in the air. And then model would be like, what do you mean hang in the air? I'm like, yeah, just hang in the air. Hold <laughs> on to the air for a couple of seconds so I can take the shot. And they were so focused on this idiotic <laughs> phrase that that it, they felt like they're holding on to the air. They felt like they... It's just you know it's one of those tricks. You just have to be very confident in what you're saying, especially if it's some kind of bullshit. And and they would they would totally be totally focused on that. And I got such great images They were absolutely fantastic. I I couldn't imagine taking them if I would just approach the model, a regular model, with a regular, hey, I need you to jump, and while you're jumping, I'll be taking pictures. It doesn't work. But you have to say something really weird to them and make them think in a different direction. Don't make them think about what they're doing. Think to make them think about something else. And uh, they, would, they would be focused on, what is this guy saying? Am I doing this right? Instead of thinking about their pose. And boom, we, we get it. Like on the first or second,
0: second run when they jump. It's kind of like saying, the floor is lava, avoid it. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, yes. That's the same mentality, same thing. It, it has to be like something outrageous, something that completely doesn't make sense and and kaboom, they they do it.
0: That's awesome, man. I love that. I love that creative aspect where it's not just a physical thing. It's more of a mental game to try to get them out of their, I wouldn't say necessarily their comfort zone, but just trying a different thing, looking at it through a different perspective. Instead of just jumping out in the air, you're saying, just hang, just hang there. It's physically impossible to just stay in one spot, but do it. <laughs> I love it.
1: I, I think now that you said the words, uh, getting them out of comfort zone, I think it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to name that trick. It's creating a new comfort zone where they didn't think anyone would would exist.
0: With consent, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is key. But uh, yes, so speaking about the shoots, so hanging in the air, they can hang for a long time. How long does a photo shoot usually last for you?
1: It, it depends how much time a person has, how much time I have. I've had a really short bursts, like 45 minutes to an hour to... The longest one was probably like 12 hours. Oh, wow but that includes yeah, inclu- that includes prep time, and that includes or it includes shooting a lot of images for example, one of the one of the shoots that was lasting this long was the catalog project, so I, I got paid, but it was extremely boring, which is why I don't do fashion. Um, There's just uh, same four models wearing about two or three hundred pieces of um, bikinis or something or some kind of a cheap lingerie. And it's just like up straight, side, back, another side, done. Next up straight, side, next side. It just you know grind. It absolutely no creative juice is flowing, and it's just you know one after another, after another, after another. They need time to change. They need time to freshen up because um, whatever Uh the makeup is floating or 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 something. So it 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 was a while. The other one was. One of those creative shoots where makeup artists takes eight to ten hours to apply all the makeup, all the special effects uh to the person's body. So this shoot is the actual like shoot, shoot, shooting part can be again about forty five minutes to an hour. But the prep, the setup, everything, that takes a while.
0: But I bet you it's all worth it in the end.
1: It, yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. It's a hobby. Right? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. So speaking about a hobby, you're doing it. Uh, I know I'm really bad with these segues, but what is your big objective with your kink and boudoir photography?
1: So I don't know if uh, you remember, but there was this uh, magazine, Playboy, that took uh, this whole erotica thing to a completely artistic level. Not everybody realizes what they did, but they did. They they made the erotica look like art, and some, some of the art looked like erotica. So uh BDSM topic, BDSM theme is kind of rising up a little, and I'm I kind of see this as creating this as an art, as a stream of art, or kind of kind of like branch of art. So this is, and it, it kind of uh, stems from things that Japanese artists did the you know last century, 19th, uh, 20th century. Uh, I want to kind of go that direction where the Kinkin Buddha photography combined get to the point where it's no longer a uh, forbidden fruit, a forbidden object. It's it has that flavor of a forbidden fruit, but it's art. It it goes it, it it goes in a gallery. It goes in a museum. It it doesn't go in your drawer and you don't pull it out because you miss your loved ones uh, or to send it to the loved ones so they can you know relive those um, sensual mo- moments that they had with you. But it goes and and in, in a gallery and people admire it for for the art the artistic aspect of it
0: no no you're absolutely right and i love the idea that we live in a day and age where we get so much information and a lot of misconceptions and the things that are considered taboo are not necessarily taboo and they're not as aggressive or violent or sexual as we thought it was because let's say a pole dancing everybody thought it was only strippers doing it in the past but a lot of people nowadays do it for exercise
1: oh yeah definitely and i i, I had i've done a shoot for a pole. Uh, pole dancing school, and they they confirm that not not they have it's a pretty upscale school. None of their clients are strippers; they're all people who just want to know how to do it. They do it as an exercise, and and it's a lot of fun because it's you know it used to be, oh my god, now it's you know a mainstream.
0: Yeah, actually, one of my friends I interviewed on my podcast, in, probably in episode twenty something, she does pole dancing as an exercise, but she's also a doctor, so. It just goes to show anybody can do pole dancing. I can't because I have hairy legs and going down the pole will burn my leg. I've tried it. <laughs> it's not fun for me. But uh, anybody else, give it a try. <laughs> now for you, this is a tough question, but what has kink and boudoir photography taught you in life?
1: Uh, that's not a, not a tough question <laughs> for me uh, because I, I do get uh, to think about this a lot. And uh, first and foremost, it taught me to accept others as the way they are so my mind is way more open now than it used to be 20 30 years ago i have a lot more what's the right word i have a lot a lot uh, I, i've become more acceptive of others and i have seen things and i've experienced things that i have otherwise wouldn't have seen and that helped me understand other people better let's put it this way
0: well you know what i completely agree with you there's the same thing with my podcast i like I would have not. I would have loved, but I just wouldn't have the opportunity to have a conversation with all these people I've had up to date, and I've learned so much. Like I'm learning so much from you right now, too. So, which is a great experience. So, I guess we're in the same boat.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's kind of that's kind of been my personal journey. Learn from people as much as I can. I did uh, uh, my job. Provides these services for people uh to learn better English. Uh, the employees who whose English is not a second like, is not a native language. We provide service, pair them with the language body so they can get their English better, improved. And I'm one of the people who are supposedly have uh, native English experience so we can teach others. And I had a student recently who taught me so many things about so many different ways of life. He's like half of my age and I, I was mostly listening because I need I needed to let him express himself and kind of point out the mistakes in his speech. But I completely forgot about that because the stuff he was telling me, the, the information that he was dumping on me uh, with that hour of, of a lesson that we had, it was com- completely blown in my mind. It, I never heard anything like that, never experienced anything like that. So that was absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> my... my um, New rule. I I had hundreds of rules in my life. This is the new one I came up with. It's you, you live, uh, you, as you live, you make mistakes, but you never lose. You, you either win or you learn. And I learn a lot. I don't have to lose. I just keep <laughs> learning, keep learning. And when you think you've learned of as much as you can, just, you know, Look to the side, and there's just as much learning to do as you just did.
0: You know what? I love that a lot. It's you don't lose, you learn. That's that's cool.
1: I didn't come up with it. I read it somewhere on the internet.
0: Well, I learned it from you. From all I know, you taught me, so it came from you. You're the one who made it up in my book, in my eyes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jill
0: <laughs> now, uh, has kink, uh, sorry, kink and boudoir photography ever stressed you out? And if so, what do you do to relax? So, let's say. It's just a shoot that was not working, whether because the equipment was not working right, or the lighting, or you had a disagreement with the uh, client, or your argument, or something broke, or anything at all. Did anything ever stress you out?
1: Oh, oh all of the above, yes.
0: <laughs> all at the same time.
1: Uh, that, 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 that's the hardest part. Yes, but as I said, you 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 uh, you don't lose. You you either win or you learn. That, that's that's. I use it as a learning experience. So and and it did happen to me. You know uh flash not firing or equipment's broken, and something's not working and sometimes you just you just lock out and 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 there's nothing you can do, but there's still something you can do i I've had absolutely things- things that are absolutely blow my mind like how could they do that like i I went to the shoot and I forgot all my memory cards because Ooh. i was dumping i was dumping a huge photo shoot from uh from everything I had and i- i forgot them by the computer so when i drove all the way from point a to point b where the shoot should be i don't have anything to shoot on <laughs> so i had to i had to run to the nearest store and buy an overpriced memory card just so you can shoot but you know it's always there's always a way out it's it's uh you know there's always something you can do and i had uh, like uh, lights not working so i had to improvise literally rig up a couple of lamps from the room just to make, make it work and the images we got out of that, that was were amazing. And at some point I when I was traveling, I I would find the model, find the team to work with. And I said, listen, um I know we're gonna get good pictures. Don't worry about it. But I for my personal purpose, I'm gonna put myself through certain things, like I would shoot with limited amount of equipment or pretend like, you know, something's not working because one of the one of the reasons why I'm doing this shoot is to kinda of get more experience. And I need experience shooting with half of the equipment that I have or equipment not working and I need to improvise and I need to, you know, uh, shoot from uncomfortable angles, uncomfortable positions, or, you know, pretend I was, I was doing a shoot in Manhattan, uh, New York city during the nighttime, like 11 o'clock. There was one single light available and they, they um, we were shooting tango a couple dancing tango. And it was really amazing because like, I had no idea how to do that. I had absolutely zero experience doing that. And we came up with the plan uh, on the spot when we saw the lighting situation. I positioned them so the light would hit them from a specific angle. And, and the images were absolutely stunning, absolutely amazing. And I later learned that um, the guy uh, in, in, a, in a dancing uh, pair, the guy was a photographer himself. And when I showed him the pictures, he's like, I have no idea how you've done it. I've been shooting for 12 years and I have no <laughs> idea how you did these pictures. Like, you know what? Ask me to do this again. I'll tell you. But right now I don't have no clue. That's me cooking. Uh, <laughs> I can repeat that, but I can't tell you how I did it because it was like half, uh, 50% intuition, 50% art, and then the rest is just, you know, dumb luck, I guess. But um, yeah, it, it, it happens. And uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of stress relief comes from, uh, seeing the results and being able to produce results no matter what and i guess that kicks me out of a hobbyist and puts me a bit more into a professional category because i think professional is not when you know there's, there's a um, there's this thing people say a professional is someone who gets paid for his work no it's the one who produces the results and hmm. <laughs> i mean you can't get paid but if you're not producing results you're a shady professional <laughs> you're not a professional at all, but if you're, you know, you have a task in hand and you produce results, that's, that's when you are a professional, no matter what they pay for it. And, uh, I think that kicks me off from, from being a hobbyist to being more of a professional, because I always try to get, uh, results no matter what. Um, and seeing the result is probably one of the biggest stress relievers. And the other side is, is, as I said in the beginning, my photography is something completely different from anything else I do. I, my, my job is pretty creative, but it's not as creative as photography. It's mostly talking to people <laughs> and, and pretending and pretending you're not the smartest person in the room. Uh, and, and then thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then realizing you are not the smartest person in the room. And then, you know, uh, being this, you know, village fool a little bit. When you listen to all the smart people, and then you say something, and they, oh yeah, that makes sense. So uh, it's it's completely different. So switch back and forth between my regular job and 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 this creative therapy, creative photography uh, is is definitely help. And um, getting the results, getting these beautiful images, I, I certainly hope they're as beautiful as an interesting, as interesting to me as and and as as, as they are to me, they are to the audience. Uh, to people who I do them for and, and people who just happen to see them. And, and that kind of, you know, it's a little bit of ego stroking, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's yeah, be reasonable. It is. <laughs> but it's, it's, it is a stress relief. When you, when you were struggling, when you couldn't make it happen, you tried this, you tried that, uh, you produced a result, and people say, you know what, this is, this looks really cool. Okay, well, problem solved. Now this time I'm not stressed anymore.
0: That's awesome. I love how like the whole process can be extremely stressful, but it's always the end that could be like, oh, it could relieve the whole thing. It could be 12 hours a day of just hard work and just stress. And then that one minute when you see everything come together, boom, it was all worth it.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you for, you, for, you forgot to add this 12 hours of shooting, then there's like two hours per <laughs> picture of editing.
0: And then you see. the film. Yes, then that one second of result is worth <laughs> yes. it all. Well, in my yeah. eyes, in my eyes, you are a professional hobbyist. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's, yeah there's, there's this niche, uh, commercially, presumer. I have no idea what that means, but it, it sounds cool.
0: <laughs> That's most words. I, I, I don't know what most words mean when they sound like, very elegant, I like this. You're know, like, <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good to me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started kink photography and boudoir photography?
1: Uh, seeing naked people. Honestly, that was that was really uh, that was really biggest challenge. Not not the technical part, not the shooting, the shooting, the focusing on technical part is actually what helped me uh, go through it. Uh, And I I really remember the first time uh, this happened to me and I usually have a team around me so I can, you know, kind of distract myself talking to them and and asking for advice or directing them, telling them, you know, do this, do that. But there was one Time It was probably my second or third year doing this on more, a more serious level. Uh, I, was, I was shooting. Uh, I thought they were models. turns out they were strippers. So they had no idea getting naked in front of a camera. I had a problem with them being naked in front of a camera because I've never done this before. And I was like, I'm not sure what we're doing. Is that, is that the model? She's going to get naked and that's, that's her mom right next to it directing her? That's really weird. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was, that was pretty awkward to me first time uh, when I just started but then uh, when I saw the results and I saw that pictures came out good and you know camera wasn't shaking too much in my hands when I did that I figured hey you know this looks cool I can do this <laughs> and it's, it's my kind of an ongoing thing when people ask me uh, so how did you why why did you decide to do photography I said to see naked women of course like why else like why would anybody else do photography for any other reason <laughs> And it, it became kind of tacky for me to to answer it like that because there are people who do this, and I I don't sound funny anymore saying that I, I sound creepy, so I stopped. But um, yeah, I was it was it was very uncomfortable, and uh, to me it was very intimate. Like you know, I came from a culture that you know officially didn't have any sexual culture, and uh, it was like no 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 there is no sex in Soviet Russia, and um, uh, we yeah I mean there was it was you know you you had to. Uh, There was certain things. There were certain things. There was some some kind of uh, a culture, but there was no sexual culture. It was nobody taught you how to behave. Nobody taught you that certain things are disrespectful. Nobody taught you that certain things are outright harmful. You just kind of had to wing it because, you know, hey, we've survived for, what, uh, 10,000 years, humans procreated. So we'll figure it out somehow. It really only works one way. Uh, but there was no culture. There was no teaching of this respect that, uh, that it should happen. So it was really hard for me to, to start. But then eventually, uh, I met really good people on the way I, they taught me a lot. They talked to me, not in a <laughs> condescending manner, Uh, you know, not in a way, Hey dummy, you have no idea what you're doing. But again, they showed me what respect really feels like. And, and they taught me a lot of, a lot of interesting things, a lot of useful things that I keep using. And I wasn't afraid to ask questions. That's probably the biggest advice anybody ever can give to anybody. Don't be, don't be an idiot who does not ask questions. Be, it, it's better to, to sound like an idiot asking questions than be an idiot and not ask questions. So I, I, uh, I asked tons of questions. I said, listen, if I sound like an idiot, please tell me. I'll stop, but I need to know, what do you think? What do you feel? Would this work for you or not? And that kind of built up my my toolbox, my, to, to, my tool set of how to work with models, because now I know what a lot of people think are disrespectful and what people think that are okay. And it's kind of like how you establish the boundaries. So that's that's the way I roll, I guess.
0: On just on that note, I don't think I'm an idiot. I know I'm an idiot asking questions. <laughs> so it's cool that you, this whole experience actually helped you grow as a person and teach you things that you didn't expect and when you just saw the person naked the first time it's like jumping in cold water it's not you just dip your toe and you have to jump all the way in to okay yeah i'm in it to, to experience it okay let's do this kind of thing
1: right and and yes and add to that that there's like about 10 people watching you and kind of like is he creep or something <laughs> let's just let's just see how he's gonna react <laughs> so imagine imagine you doing this but on stage
0: yeah yeah and the mom was there and it seemed like everybody's yep. okay uh yeah, if yeah apparently,
1: was, apparently yeah, apparently mom was was a stripper too, so she kind of were uh, she, it was I, I think it was actually pretty good because she taught her uh, what to do what not to do and you know kind of people to stay away from, so it, in the end I guess it worked out.
0: That's cool. I like how the mom was actually giving advice on not only yeah. what the daughter should do but also the type of people she should interact with, ones that seem safe, ones that don't seem safe kind of thing. That's cool.
1: Yeah, that that's the only th- that's the th- that, that's the thing that you can only get with experience mm-hmm. and you know when you're 19 20 you don't have that experience no matter what yeah. so getting it from someone who knows is is priceless
0: that is absolutely true and this applies for everything absolutely everything in life and now for you you talked about your challenge when you first started what is your current biggest challenge
1: current biggest challenge is probably time yeah i try travel i travel as i mentioned i travel a lot and Uh, A lot of times uh, you want to just do nothing. It's uh, I don't know if I'm mangling the quote, but uh, I think it's from Office Space from the movie. It's like I did nothing. It was everything I ever wanted to do. (laughs) Uh, So that's sometimes I need that instead of, uh, you know, shooting for four or five hours straight in a studio. Because usually models walk in, walk out, glamorous, beautiful amazing and I walk in glamorous you know clean and amazing and I woke out sweaty dirty because I was on the floor I was installing the equipment I was you know fixing things doing this and that you were
0: cleaning the floor with your body pretty effectively. yes
1: <laughs> yeah because you need you know you need different angles you need to do this that, this and that and it's just like oh god I can't can't wait to get in the shower and she's like hey bye I'm going to go to, a, I'm going to go to a party just like that. You know, you already have, I already have my makeup, so I don't have to do anything. Like, sure. You go right ahead. And
0: you're like, I'm going to a party for one in my shower.
1: Oh yes, definitely. It's going to be a hot party for sure.
0: <laughs> the sweat will just dry off. It will just well get replaced by the water.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's just the idea. Yes.
0: Now for the question that I'm sure a lot of people have been waiting for. What are some misconceptions? Like you kind of answered this before, but what are some misconceptions about people who do kink and boudoir photography?
1: Oh, one, and, and this, is, this is really a hardcore one because I, I, and I, I have been hit with it. And it's just really funny. Uh, I belong to a few Facebook groups and one of them, somebody started a discussion uh, about somebody else. And uh, they tagged me for asking for my opinion. And people immediately went wild thinking, I do this. Ooh. So, and in, 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 yeah, my, my, uh, my messenger was blowing up and I was, I, have, I don't remember, I don't even remember what, what I was doing at the moment, but it was those, those precious two hours where I was completely disconnected from all the social media. Uh, I might have been on a date or something. Uh, so I just put my phone down. I'm not looking at it. Uh, it just completely blew up. Uh, somebody said that there's this, a, there's a photographer very well known in these circles who's always sleeping with his models. And somebody tagged me to ask for my opinion. Does this really happen? Or, you know, is that like a thing? And, and everybody felt like, oh, wait, he's sleeping with his models? Like, what's going on? Why is he tagged here? So, again, it, it was it, – it really blew in a completely wrong direction. So that's one of the misconceptions. Like whenever – I can't believe you. I can't believe how many times even people who know me would say, hey, you're taking pictures of naked women. You get to sleep with all of them? How cool is that? Like, dude, no, stop. That never happens.
0: You know what's crazy is that mob mentality where – when just as everybody gathers up, they start thinking of, oh my God, he does that. And then without even thinking of, okay, well, yes. rationally, maybe he doesn't do that. They just jump to conclusion and it happens a lot. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: It happens all the time. And, and that's, it. and there's been, there's been, I, I actually, out of curiosity, I've read a few studies on echo chambers, social media echo chambers, and yes, people just lose, completely lose any ability to create for critical thinking. And, and, the, the saddest part was that there, there were people who I knew personally, and I've talked to them and I've met with them and I've literally eaten the same table with them. And they're like, Vlad, Vlad does that? <laughs> I don't understand how he. It wasn't a question, but why are you saying he does it? It was a question, I can't believe he does that. And I'm like, guys, come on. Like, what are you. So, yeah, that, that, I mean, there, there's, there's a rule. You always ask for permission to even touch the model. And even before they shoot, you explain what you will be doing. You have to agree on what you will be doing, especially if you're, if you look at the pictures that I have on my Instagram, there's a lot of uh, bondage. So obviously, since I'm doing the bondage and I'm taking the pictures, I have to touch the model to, you know, put the bondage on and make sure she's comfortable, you know, make sure that she's in the pose uh, and, and sometimes correct the pose after uh, she was, she was put in the bondage because. Uh, the way it may be more convenient to do it one way, but then you reposition the model for, for the purpose of taking the pictures. So then, you know, you need to adjust things here and there. So you consistently, constantly communicating, saying, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Are you comfortable with me doing this? Do you mind if I do this? It's, it's consistently, you know, complete kind of like nonstop verbal communication. I'm doing this. I'm going to do this. And I have huge mirrors in my studio. So they, if, if I'm behind them, if I'm doing something behind their back, mm. they can see me in the mirror. So you know, I'm not doing anything finicky there. And I want to make sure that they're looking in the mirror and they're seeing what I'm doing. So you know, they feel safe. They feel like you know, they're in a good place. Because uh, in many cases, bondage does things not only to your body but also to your mind. They put, it puts you – I don't really want to go deep into that topic. But it puts you in a certain mindset and a certain headspace. And uh, a person may not realize that something's happening, something inappropriate happening, because they're in that mind space, in that head space. And, um, you know, that communication kind of keeps them afloat, keeps them in a safe zone where they still control the situation and they know what's, what's happening. So that's one of the one of the biggest misconceptions is that a photographer takes advantage of their, of their models that <laughs> I, I know of one person only. Who absolutely does that, and it's it's a very public name, and it's all on the internet. Uh, Other than that, obviously it's between you know a photographer and a model. But it does not happen as often as you think. It almost never happens at all as often as you think. It all usually it happens when the photographer and the model have a relationship outside of um, their photography. Like if I if I had a girlfriend, I actually at some point I had a girlfriend that I took a bunch of pictures and she was my first model that I practiced on but again it was agreed upon and she knew how I was doing it and she was okay with me doing certain things but other than that I don't think so
0: and of course it's always the few who ruin it for the many so when it comes to like that one photographer who did do it or does do it out of like let's say a million photographers who do kink and boudoir photography it's the one and then now will blow up on the news on social media and it just ruins the reputation for everybody else
1: oh absolutely yes absolutely absolutely it's, it's they're few and far between, but uh, it's enough to spoil the whole batch or the whole experience.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's one bad apple. You don't have to ruin the whole orchard. Yep. Is boudoir photography something you want to share with the world or keep it more for yourself?
1: Um, I, I, okay, it's,
0: it's, <laughs> it's a stupid question. This is a
1: slight. No, 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 no. It's a good question. It's just slightly in the wrong in the wrong direction. Uh, so whatever I do, I absolutely want to share it with the world uh, for. Uh, for the purpose of you know world becoming uh, being more safe safe place for people to exercise their preferences in 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 their kinks that 's one reason the other reason is I believe that I am achieving a form of art and I want to share this this art with people and again i don 't want to I, I want to remove that stigma of Uh, this is a forbidden fruit, or this is a taboo topic. No, it's not. It's relationship between two people that have consented to do these things to each other. So it's a normal thing. Let them explore, let them do that. Stop judging. That's one thing. Um, Another thing is, if my client decides that this is their private thing, I don't want anybody ever to invade their privacy and see the pictures that they only wanted to have for themselves. That's, that's, that's the watershed moment. That's the that's the distinction. Whatever I produce as a piece of art where I have model releases signed and all the paperwork, I want to share as much as possible. And whenever there are private moments between the people that own those pictures or that person, if they're just doing it for themselves, that does happen a lot, actually. Um, then I don't want anybody to see them because it's theirs and theirs alone.
0: And that's very respectful and very honorable because in this day and age, privacy is so, so thin. The idea that you create something for somebody and they get to keep it and don't share it with the world is completely fine. And we don't need to share everything with everybody, right?
1: (laughs) I I would imagine. Yeah, that wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't be too pretty.
0: Yeah, well, for my situation, for my podcast, it'd be kind of weird if I just didn't share these episodes that's the only exception for me for my podcast but like you I have pictures I've taken um, not like of me doing uh, king or boudoir but just pictures or videos in general filming a family and stuff like that I haven't posted online I just shared kept it because I'm like like you said before I want to look back at it and say oh that's how bald I was when I was 27 oh I'm still bald bald at 37. Wow. I just keep getting more bald. Well, the idea is just sharing the family experience and I like how you approach this.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a distinction, you know, you create art, but some art is just for the person who is art. There's nothing you can do about it.
0: Mm -hmm. And once again, it's due to communication. You just communicate what you want to share and what you don't want to share. And then you go from there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's you always, you always ask permission. Uh, my, my role is I always ask permission twice just to make sure a person understands what I'm asking and over-communicate.
0: Exactly. And for you, do you have any influences or inspirations, whether it's somebody else who is in the kink or boudoir for photography field or let's say family members or idols or anything that you look up to and say, wow, thank you, or even people that support you?
1: Uh, not not really people. I'm I'm... Being inspired more by styles or by specific visuals uh, i can look through hundreds of images uh, by different photographers but as long as they are in the same kind of the same topic or in terms of instagram for example oh it's the same hashtag Uh, but as long as they're in the same uh, theme uh, i don't really care who took it as long as it Works for me uh, as long as it inspires me, want me to, wants me, as long as it makes me want to do things differently, better, or diverge in a completely different direction. I, I, as I said, I can, I can go for hours looking at specific ideas, specific topic, or a specific thing. I, it's kind of like a visual research. Let me look at all the ideas that are out there and see what, what strikes my fancy, what, what I like, what I don't like, kind of which direction do I want to go. And for example, and, and I don't know how relevant that would be, um, I started looking into more of, uh, to, to, to do more pictures with candles. I I had a couple of pictures with candles and I was uh, getting ready to do the research. So at some point I sat down, I looked through probably thousands of pictures with uh, candles uh, around boudoir, around artistic nudes, around kink. And I picked probably 20 or 30 uh, that are really striking really uh creative images and that's kind of my body of inspiration i'm going to be looking over my shoulder at those pictures when i'm going to be setting up my next shoot uh with this topic so that's that's the way it works for me
0: well in that case if you don't have any inspirations i uh, you at least have a new supporter me i'm going to keep on supporting you in your professional hobby right we established that right yes <laughs> you're a professional hobbyist that's the word yes <laughs> But yeah, like I love, I love how the way you approach it. You're such a passionate person and you're very respectful, very honorable. And you came on just Mm. giving so much information, showing how you approach it, treating everybody as humans rather than just objects. Cause humans aren't objects. They're people. They have minds. They can, you know, walk, talk, do everything. And, uh, Mm. you do really bring a lot of light into this field of, I guess, uh, hobby. Yeah. And, uh, so you mentioned this before, but I was going to ask again. Do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby?
1: Yeah, keep keep trying, keep trying.
0: You can't lose. You can only learn.
1: You, you, <laughs> yes, exactly. You can only learn. It's, and, and the more you, the more you try, the more you learn. And I, I've I've uh, failed and fallen too many, way too many times to care. Uh, specifically, when I was learning new things, and I keep doing this, and it, kind of like. The funny part is my job requires me to fail more than to the ratio of failures to successes should be about 10 to one in order for you to be really, truly successful. And it's kind of like this thing. Everybody wants to be successful, but nobody wants to go through the pain of becoming successful. And the pain of becoming successful is, you know, failing, failing, failing. If at first you don't succeed, then you try try and try and try and try and try and try again. So, yeah, keep learning.
0: I honestly thought you were going to say, if you first don't succeed, you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail again. That's what I <laughs> thought you were going to say. <laughs> Yours makes you a- do. That's, how, that's why you
1: don't <laughs> succeed. You do fail. <laughs> You're a complete loser. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you learn as you fail, of course. <laughs> now, we talked about this at the beginning. I'll ask it, ask it again at the end. Do you have any websites or social media links where people can go find you and follow you and support your hobby your professional hobby
1: absolutely um instagram commander perks commander p-i-r-x and the website is zealus media z-e-a-l-u-s media.com
0: perfect i'll put that in the description below so people people can go follow it click it and maybe you guys can connect with each other and work on a new project i don't know if people who are listening I'd to this that. are in New York uh give a lot of contact. And of course, for the last question, I'm definitely not prepared for it, but I'm excited to answer it anyways. Do you have any questions for me about kink and boudoir photography?
1: Yeah, actually I I I want to improvise one. Um <laughs> Okay. After 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 and, and I I I appreciate you saying that you're 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 now my supporter. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Question is um how much have, was I able to change your mind about uh, artistic nude photography, uh, boudoir photography, kink as the whole, and kink photography in general through this conversation? Was there any changes or you're kind of like, yeah, it's good, let's, let's get on with it? Uh,
0: to be honest with you, it, not, no offense to you, it, doesn't ha- it hasn't really changed for the simple fact that I've always been open to it. It's an art and I always see like it's a human body. If we're, we're all humans it's not like a monster's gonna come out and attack there's nothing new you're not gonna see it's the human body and i've always understood it as an art and i do appreciate like just talking to you just made me enjoy it more i've always been open to it like i I haven't given it a shot, but I mean, like, I'm open to the idea of people doing it. I have this. My podcast is taking up too much of my time to ha- actually have any other hobby. My hobby right now is other people's hobbies So right now, your hobby is my hobby. So this moment <laughs> right here, this is what we're sharing. But uh, yeah, I've always been open to. I have a few friends who actually do boudoir, and like just like the dance and stuff like that. I have a friend who does pole dancing, and there's nothing. You're not hurting anybody. And why? Should people be angry about it that's that's what confuses me. People should not be angry about something that doesn't hurt them or hurt other people or have any type of impact on their lives. That's I know I'm touching some touchy area for people who are listening and saying, "Alex, why are you saying this? I used to love your podcast now I'm gonna unsubscribe la la la, but <laughs> you know what? Uh, I don't get paid to do this. I guess I'm a hobbyist, a professional hobbyist. I try to get those results by creating these quality podcasts by getting awesome people like Vlad on. But uh, no, but Vlad, I do really appreciate you coming on. And I didn't want to rush this podcast episode at all. I wanted you to just talk your heart out. I wanted you to share. I didn't want to be like, yeah, yeah, get on. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, I appreciate that. Yeah,
0: of course. And <clears throat> that's why every episode's different lengths. Yours is over an hour. And I'm going to keep it over an hour because you have so much to share. Wow. Hopefully, hopefully I answered your question.
1: Absolutely, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
0: So uh, there you have it, another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Vlad, for coming on and just sharing your wisdom. You currently have so much wisdom on this. You might as well open up a school and teach people how to do it. Do you already have a school? Are you planning to open up a no. school?
1: <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm. I'm. As a matter of fact, as my my primary job, I'm learning how to teach people. That's that's my new endeavor in the professional life.
0: Well, there you go. So if you ever do decide to open up, open up a school, you are in the right steps to teach people.
1: (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll think about it. Uh, I'm going to seriously consider that offer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yes. So if you want to learn more about Vlad, you can go check him out in the description below. I'll put all the links to his websites. I'm definitely a new supporter for Vlad. If you guys want to be a supporter, go show your love to Vlad. And uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much, Vlad.
1: Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: If you want to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you think this episode is going to be helpful for anybody, maybe somebody's going through a hard time and want to pick up either kink or boudoir photography or just kink and boudoir in general, give it a shot find the right people. Communication is key. Consent is key. But there's a lot of great people, humble people, nice people like Vlad out there that will be more than happy to communicate with you and help you out and guide you because this is a, could be a great way to try something new and step out of the, the area and learn more. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say except uh, so until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.